giusto
in that which is perfect at time, and that which is in part will it be done away. In other words, there's going to be a time when you'll understand all of these things. All of the holy days will be fulfilled, and you'll understand everything about God's plan because we're going to be in it, and we're going to be participating in it, and we're going to be teaching it. So he says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, and I understood as a child. I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away those childish things. He says, so now we see in a mirror dimly. And in two ways, he uses the word darkly. I also like that word darkly because it seems like you go up to this thing and you look in it, you think you've got it all figured out, and all of a sudden something else comes up and you realize, Maybe I still need to study God's word a little more, think about it a little bit more, pray to God to help us to understand it a little more. So he says, but when face to face, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also know. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These two are the greatest of these to love. And that's what God is doing. He loves us so much. <laughs> yes, that's where I'm going. We all know who that is. Down the third chapter. Just a couple of verses here. I want, because I want it, well, we know in a second. I want to set the stage for this. Because it's the love of God that brings this about, that brings all of this together with what we are doing. So in verse 14, he says, this is in Jesus' words, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not to have everlasting life. That word heard actually means completely burned up and destroyed. It does not mean what the Protestants would like to have you believe. And with all these holograms and, you know, go down into the hell. But it needs to be burned up. Jesus is warning. We should believe on him. We should have believed in him. We should not perish. That's what it's been telling us. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We're talking about all of humanity because God wants a very large family. Not a little family, a large family. And we started out wanting a large family, and we have that family. And so it keeps growing, and we're very thankful and, and enjoying it. But I think about God. He wants a very large family. He wants family. 
Right here was one son sitting in his right hand. But every one of us in this room has a particular Jesus Christ. To be here, to listen. So we're going to look a little bit deeper into this scripture. So let's, let's also turn to John the 11th chapter. Jesus gives us some more instructions. The whole Bible. John 11, beginning in verse 25 to 27. This is all that Jesus said. Now, let me, let me read carefully. Martha said to him, Because this was Lazarus, and Lazarus was dead. Um, and, and Jesus said, Your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. For it was very common to understand this. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do we believe this? Do we believe this? I didn't add this to the but in, in 2 Peter, Peter makes this But beloved, do not forget this one thing that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any, any should perish, but that all should have to come to repentance. None should perish. None should go in and be burnt up. That same word, perish, is ended. God has set in motion to bring as many sons into this kingdom as He can bring into it. He wants all of humanity into His kingdom. Now we know that's not going to happen. We know that as He is coming, the false prophet and the beast is another. They're going to be thrown in the bowls of fire. But God has called us. He wants as many into his family, as many into his kingdom. So let's turn to the book of Revelation. There's a lot that we can learn that maybe not have. I still think God has a lot for us when we come into the kingdom. We have to be checking up with some of this that he is, he is going to reveal to us. In verse 12 of, of, uh, of Revelation 1, then I turned to see the voice. Now, let me, let's read verse 11. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in the book. 
ascended to the seven churches which are in Asia, in Ephesus. Um, in Asia, to Ephesus, and to Simon, and to Pergamon, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see if the voice that spoke to me, and having heard, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lamps, a lampstand, a lampstand, one like the Son of Man, clothed with the garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. And his head and tail were white as wool, like wool, and as white as snow. And his eyes were flame of fire, and his feet were like fine brass, as it refined in the furnace, and his voice was the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp, two-edged sword. And his countenance was like that of the sun shining in full strength. The way Jesus looked then. He was a man, he looked like a man, but today he looks like this. Now, I don't get a vision. You probably would not be able to look up on Jesus and live in that form. John was in a vision and John was showing him and Jesus was showing him all of these things that were to come to pass. Fell at his feet, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and is dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. And I think it's extremely important to understand because I am the resurrection, and now God is giving him something very important. <laughs> These two words. Actually, means the hole, you know, where the body is uh, the grave, the open grave, and the second word means to resurrect them out of the body. He says he has power over them. He has power to resurrect out of the grave. Hades and death. State of the dead. The grave is Hades, and uh, death is the state of the dead. So he has power, he has that key, right, the things which he has seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place afterwards. The mystery of the seven stars which he saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars of the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which he saw are the seven churches. So, Jesus sets the stage for what is going to be a revelation, because that's the book. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of God. John is in a, in a, in a vision of this that's going on, that's going to happen. So, in Revelation 20 or so, as we progress through here, we step back a little bit and we look at what we've just gone through. Revelation 20. One, two, three. Um, he says in verse, uh, verse 1, But I saw the angels coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil, and of Satan, and he bound him 
thousand years to cast him into the bottomless pit. Shut him up. Set a seal on him so that he should not deceive the nations no more for the thousand years to come. But after that, it says, he must be released for a while. Yeah. 
I don't put things on the very sharper things to cover you with sin and put the adultery on you so live. Man, and he said, No, but I am the Lord. So I prophesied just like I was commanded. And as I prophesied, uh, a great noise and trouble and rattling and bones came together. Bone of the bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there were no breath in them. Also said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O death, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and death came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Whoa! were part of the whole house of Israel. They at least say, our bones are dry and our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and send to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your, from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Now, I don't know whether this just represents what God is going to do, or if all of these people are <laughs> resurrected on the cloud, and you and I are going to have to buy some robes to put on these poor naked people that are going to be standing out there and waiting for the instructions and what God is going to do with them. So I, it's, it's kind of one of those things where you can get all kinds of these ideas about how am I going to take care of this? What am I going to do? And are the angels going to be out there doing this? And we're just going to be standing back there watching. What's going to happen during that period of time when we see all the house of Israel resurrected and standing there ready to go back in to Israel? Then he tells them this thing. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, and I have all my people and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live. I will place you in your own land, and you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Did you have it? Yeah, I'm going to finish this. Then the Lord came to me, saying, As for you, son of man, take a stick. Now, this is very interesting how he brings these two. He says, this is what's going to happen. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to bring these kingdoms together. Because they, I separated them. I caused them to even to go into captivity. But now, I'm going to put them back together. Take a stick for yourself and write on it for Judah and for the children of Israel, which the Lord has commanded you. Then take another stick and write on it for Joseph and the stick of Ephraim and for all the house of Israel, his companions. And join them one together for yourself into one stick, and they will become one in your hand. And when the children of your people speak to you, saying, 
shall you not show us what you mean by this? Shall we pray to him? Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ethan, and the judge of Israel, his companions, and I will join them with it for the sake of Judah, and make them one stick, and they will be one in my sight. I will be God like will be in your hand before you are full out. Then pray to them, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations wherever they have gone, and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land, on the mount, that is, one king shall be king over them. All, they shall no longer be two nations, nor shall they ever be divided into two kingdoms again. They shall not defile themselves anymore with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions, but I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they have sinned and cleanse them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. He says, David, my servant, shall be king over them. We know Jesus will be king of kings and one of lords. David has a responsibility still over his my servants shall be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd, and they shall know walk my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. And the nation of law in the land that I have given to Jacob, my servant, and my father as well. And they shall dwell there. They, their children, the children's children forever, my servant David shall be their prince over them. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. I will establish them. Multiply them. I will plant my sanctuary in the midst forevermore. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Indeed, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The nations also shall know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel, for my sanctuary is in the midst forever. So remember now, what's going to happen is, now what is, let's get ahead of Let's do a couple of things before I do that. Um, let's go back. Let's go back to uh, Revelation. Even though I got this, I gave it to uh, uh, Brian out of order, but I need to uh, say this again. Let's go back to Revelation, the 20th chapter. Let's pick it up in verse 7. This is the end of the morning, and all of a sudden now, something happens. That is almost getting a little strange for all of us to understand, but God has His purpose and His reason. Okay. He always does. He always knows what He's doing, when He's when it needs to be done. Now, when the thousand years have expired, so we've got a thousand years um, to prepare for this. A thousand years of things that will be going on in the earth, and we'll go out and deceive them. Uh, Satan will be released from his prison. Will go out and deceive the nations, which are on the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. His number as the earth is as the sand of the sea. They will uh, they run up to the breadth of the earth and surrounded the four of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them is cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet were from. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. We go back now 
in Ezekiel 38, you'll see um, all of the things that, that come about. Okay, Gog and Magog come up against uh, Jerusalem, and God then sends his wrath upon them. Satan has gathered them in, gathered these armies, gathered all of this. And then skip over to, to uh, Ezekiel, the 39th chapter. In the uh, beginning of verse 11. After this happened, something else happened because all of these, all of these people are dead. All of this is, God and Magog got God and destroyed. God said, Stand. You can read all of that in that, uh, this chapter 38, beginning of 39. And it came to pass in that day that I will give God the whole of them. There in Israel. The valley of those who passed by east of the sea. And it will be Israel's set travelers because there they were buried. God and all his multitudes. Therefore they will call it the valley of Hermogog. Now Hermogog is um, multitude of God. Seven months, the house of Israel will bear them in order to bring to the land. Indeed, all the people of the land will be barren, and they will gain renown for it in that day that I am glorified, says the Lord God. So God will give his glory because he's killing all of these people that are inhabited. Come up against the peaceful nation. They will set apart men regularly and fill with huts and search parties to pass through the land and bury those bodies remaining. On the ground, and they will be cleansing. Then the seven months will remain cold. The search party will pass through the land, and when anyone sees the man's bones, he shall set up a marker by it, for the burial uh, of buried in the valley of Hermon God. And the name of the city will also be Hermon, Hermonite. And thus they shall call it Hermolah, Hermolah. God does this because he wants to rest. that he will get justice because these came up against him. Set my glory among the nations, and all the nations shall see my judgment which I have executed, and my hand which I have laid on them. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God in the day from that day forward. The Gentiles shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity, because they were unfaithful to me. Therefore I hid my face from them, I gave them into the hand of their enemies. And they all fell by the sword, according to their uncleanness and according to their transgression. I have dealt with them and hidden my face from them. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, now I will bring back the captivity of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel. And I will rejoice with my holy men after they have borne their shame and all their unfaithfulness in which they have they were unfaithful to me. Then they dwelt safely in their own land, and no one made them afraid, 
when I have brought them back from the people who gathered them all out of their enemies, the Lord found power in them in the sight of many nations. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God, and set them into captivity among the nations. But also brought them back to the land that none shall touch any longer. And I will hide my face from them. Uh, I will not hide my face from them anymore. For I have filled up my spirit and the heart of Israel, says the Lord God. And he turned to Jeremiah to say, it's because one of the things that we find about God is he does make more than one uh, covenant. We are officially under a type of covenant. If this covenant was not true, then we would have something that we would not be able to really but God says that He has given us His truth. And we know that. And, and He is faithful and true in everything that He does, in every covenant that He makes. And, and I think and we can always, always depend on God to back up His covenant. He says, uh, and I'm trying to remember where I am. Verse 31. Verse 31. Behold, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them out of the land to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Now, remember, uh, Abraham had a covenant, and Isaac and Jacob also had covenants with God. But it was his fault. So, well, when God makes a covenant, just kind of stand by. He's going to be, he's going to make it come true. And so here, he had made a covenant, and he is going to make it come true, and it's going to please him. My covenant with Abraham, though I was the husband of them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law into their minds and write into their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No man shall eat man seek his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they also know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, I will remember no more. And their sin, I will remember no more. God makes a covenant with us. God does it with us. He promises us the kingdom of God. And we will be there. We will be a part of that. In in, back in Revelation 20, let's back up in Revelation 20. Beginning in verse 11. He said, Then I saw a great white throne. Beginning with the, the representation of God does, a great white throne judgment. All three verses. He said, Then I saw a great white throne, and then we sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, and small. Dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, or the things which they which were written in the books. And the sea gave up their dead, uh, who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead which were, who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to the works. Remember what Jesus said? He had the key. 
again to resurrect them, to call them out of the grave, to bring over the world, and bring them back. God's Spirit is what is set up by the point. So He can take that and, and rebuild the body if He wants to, to make it physical. Uh, or He can take it and make it Thank you. 
particular time. So Mark, the sixth chapter, just one verse, please. Um, Mark, the sixth chapter, verse one. Verse 1. He says, And whosoever shall not receive you, uh, he's talking about sending the disciples out. Two by two. Let's see. And whosoever will not receive you, not hear you, when you depart from there, shake off the dust from under your feet as a testimony against it. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So, you can see this for those times. You can only be so be there, including those that reject this calling and this calling. Matthew, the 11th chapter. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. He says, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethesda! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it would be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, says the Son, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if that mighty work which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that if it shall be, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Oh, that's pretty harsh words. But it also gives us a picture of what's going to happen. All of these people will be resurrected. They're going to be judged. And God's going to be judging them. Jesus is going to be judging them. And we're finding that we have a part in that judgment. A wonderful time. I wanted to just... Let's go to Matthew, the sixth chapter. There we are here. Verse 27 says, Whatsoever I tell you in the dark, speak you in the light, and what you hear in the, in the ear, speak in the outside. And do not fear those who will kill the body and cannot kill the soul, but rather kill him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? But the very birds on your head are also numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more valued than many sparrows. So we, we understand from Jesus that there is a time in which the body shall be destroyed in the whole fire. It is not an ugly, bony time in which souls go down there 
why they were worried. They get those up. The idea that Buffy had a very fault that is part of it, but I think that also they want to kill people. Oh, you're going to go to hell and you can't win. Is God like that? Is he, has he got that kind of that he would want to see people keep alive for all eternity in hell, in, 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 in some kind of a, of a weird place in which they're all in pain and they're just suffering and crying and yelling and screaming and everything. Don't see a nature of God. For those who truly return to God, they truly will not see it. He would like to put all in front of his head. He would desire that everyone who would ever come into salvation, born, would come into his kingdom. But he's realistic. He knows that there are some that are so incorrigible that they're not going to repent. They're not going to change. And so, consequently, they are within the process of your time. Place, it was called the, the Valley of Sinners, south of Jerusalem, uh, where the filth and dead animals were kept and burned. Their fire would be burned, and those, those that were incorrigible would be burned up. They would not have a lot. But not only that, the church of God will wipe out the memory so that we don't even remember who they are. He says that the tears will be wiped away. And if you want to talk about in terms of the church, it's the blood. It's the blood. I don't know. Like I said, there is a tendency in there very, very doubtful. And there is a lot to be learned from God's Word. Of course, also a lot to be learned when we get into the kingdom because I think that we learn and understand it all. Well, let's go back to Revelation because. When I got and saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her arrival. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the fountain of the waters of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. Overcome shall inherit all 
get saved. That's what he must say. Do you get any more glorious than that? Can you think of anything greater than being God's son in his kingdom and the things that he can give us and the life that he can give us as his children? He said that the powers of unbelievers, abominants, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I hope that's very true. I hope that's not a lot. Uh, we don't have a lot of trouble in being involved in trying to things that mind and thoughts of a lot of concerns of the people, and hopefully they will repent. But there is a second death. They will not be resurrected because they will be burned up. And that's what it says. It's a lake which burns with fire and brimstone. It is not a rising death that is saved alive. Forever and ever. In heaven. Then the seven angels, you know, the seven bowls full with the seven last plates, came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you what the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit and grave and high mountain and showed me this great city, holy Jerusalem. Descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, the light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with twelve gates, twelve angels at the gate, and the names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And Jesus also took me and observed and observed the reed. The names of the city of gates and twelve, and the city laid out in the square. Its length was a great of its breadth, and he measured the city with the reed, twelve thousand furlongs. And I think that ends up being like thirteen hundred eighty miles. And the city has reached 12,000 furlongs of length, its breadth, and its height are equal. Then he measured its walls, 140 cubits, according to the measure of the man that is, uh, is as an angel. And the construction of the wall was a jasper, and the city was of pure gold, like pure glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. First foundation is jasper, second sapphire, the third Chalcedonia, the fifth Timor, the fifth uh, Sardonyx, the sixth Sardis, the seventh uh, Crystal Cup, um, uh, White, Crystal White, the eighth Beryl, and the ninth Topaz. The tenth Sophocles, the Sophocles, I'm sorry, the eleventh is Zephyrus, and the twelfth is Amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, uh, each 
uh, individual vote will then go on the state or the city or sheriff city board. Your vote slash five cents slash. If you could get all that put together, you could figure that directly in that vote. And it says, in your house are many mansions, many places. Eight, two hundred and eighty miles, thirteen hundred and eighty miles wide. It's big enough for a lot of stuff. That's what God's doing. He's building a house for his kids. And uh, we will be there. It's going to be a wonderful place to live. And he says, he's going to wipe out our sins. We'll have good times. We'll have uh, a wonderful time together. In the middle of the street on the other side of the river was Cleveland. It's been 12 feet, each tree, yielding its fruit every month. The leaves were pleased if there was healing of the night. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. Remember, Moses did not look on the face of God and live. We will. We will be able to see. We will be able to talk to them. We will be able to talk to both of them. And they will accept us, and we will serve them. There shall be no night there. They will need no lamp, no light, no sun. The Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So there's going to be rulership. We have no idea. Really, we have no idea what God's got planned for us. Uh, it's just that God. He's got the plan. He's already said. He's already has a But he said to me, these words of faithful and true, and the Lord God of the Holy Prophet said, Angel will show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. Now, I, John, saw the uh, unholy things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel of Sobers and Saints. And he said to me, See that you do not do that. For I am your fellow servant and of your brethren. The prophets and those who keep the words of this book worship God. That is extremely important. Um, we went to a lot of shows, and I could talk about worshiping angels. And angels are not to be worshipped. They're powerful. They can die sometimes, and they're doing some pretty interesting stuff. And you want to talk to them, but they are chosen. And, and they will be answered. Absolutely, they will. He said to me, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me. I give everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, and the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right. And may enter through the gates of the city, 
but outside of ours, ancestors, and especially more Romans and idolaters, and whoever loves the justice of the law. Our Jesus was sent by angels to testify to you these things in the future. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star, and the spirit and the bride said, Come, let him be weary. Say, Come, and let him be saved. Come, whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. God gives us Jesus. Those of our sins. For I testify to everyone who is believed to be prophecies of sin. Anyone adds to these things, God will add to them the things that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away the words of this book, uh, of this prophecy, God shall take away this part from the book of life, and from the Holy City, and from the things which are written in this book. I am coming quickly. He who testifies these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Paul, amen. I have one a call to individuals. Of course, if you'd like to be, I'd like to present to you this call. And it's such a beautiful one. As I was reading Jesus' ending, I thought this one was also a very good ending in this message. And it's in chapter 1, verse 2, and it's just going through that. It's a call, Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, through the will of God, the prophet of our brother. To the church of God, which is at, you know, it's not foreign to know all over the world. The church of God is, is wherever his children are. We are the called ones of God. So this is for us. To those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both yours and ours. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which is given to you by Christ Jesus, that you are enriched in everything by Him in all evidence and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ is confirmed in you, so that you come short in no good, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called. Into the fellowship, the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, 